Welcome to our first special podcast of Meeting Our Missionaries. One of the things that is the best blessing that we have at Risen Fellowship is supporting missionaries both locally and globally. And today I want to introduce to you Pete Livingston with Pete and Debbie Livingston that are serving in Cambodia. And Pete, my first question is to you, how in the world did you get to Cambodia and why are you in Cambodia? Well, we are in Cambodia. Thank you. First of all, thank you very much. And thank you, Risen Fellowship. Uh, you are awesome partners. It is, it is a joy and an encouragement to us to be connected with you. Um, we are enabled to be there largely because of you. And we are grateful for your vision for the world, not just for your church. Um, how do we get to Cambodia? Um, we got to Cambodia uh, through many years of short-term trips to Cambodia, uh, observing things and missing a lot. I took, uh, was given a sabbatical from my church in uh, 2014, and we took six weeks and went to Cambodia without a team, just by ourselves, and wandered and looked at things that we weren't able to look at before because we were watching over 15 or 20 people on a trip. And we began to observe things that were deeply, deeply concerning to us. Our eyes were being opened to things that were going on in the world, particularly on that trip in Cambodia, uh, that we felt were extremely offensive to God. Uh, We believe that modern-day slavery is an atrocity that can be addressed primarily by the gospel, and that the gospel actually calls us as believers, as followers of Christ, to be seeking the freedom of captives, people who are in captivity as modern-day labor slaves, or in the case of our work, children who are in modern-day sex slavery, uh, but not just to seek their freedom from their conditions in this world, but to seek for them freedom through the through the relationship that they could have with Jesus Christ. Give them an opportunity to know that they are loved and they are special and that Jesus died for them and help them to be set free then in this life, but also set free eternally. So we've been in Cambodia now for almost three years, uh, working primarily in the human trafficking field. And what we see is that human trafficking is not a Cambodia thing alone. It's not a Asia thing alone. It's not a third world thing alone. This is a blight on mankind in this generation, uh, largely uh, attracting clients, that's for a nice word to use, uh, from wealthy nations just like the United States of America. Okay. Pete, I know that you have talked to us and told us about the jobs that you're creating over there, and that's one of the ways that you're trying to help people out. And tell us about those jobs, and do you have any special stories of some of those people that you could share with us? Yes. We, we uh, are blessed to work with, at the present time, seven different artisans who make products uh, that we can sell in the U.S. I'll give you an example. We have people in a fishing village who know how to source the materials to make fishing nets, and they can make their own clothes. But they haven't made things that they can sell outside of the fishing village. 
And so consequently, they don't have income sufficient to support their families year-round. They can support themselves during fishing, high water, rainy season, and the, and the fish are swimming in the, in the rivers and the ponds are full. But out of season, they have no income. And so they end up in a situation where they traffic their children. This is a tragic situation, atrocity in, 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 in our lifetime, but it is in some ways understandable. If you don't value the life of a human because you don't see humans as made in the image of God, they're just made like a tree or an animal, um, if you deny what it says in Genesis about man was made in the image of God, God says, let us make man in our own image. If you deny that or don't know that, then trafficking of human beings or children is just like selling cows and pigs and chickens. They're just another way of raising money. So we believe the gospel has to be shared. People have to understand that man is made in the image of God and because of that has a special position within God's creation and needs to be treated very differently than animals and rice paddies and crops and trees and that sort of thing. Man is God's special creation. But a mother who can't feed four children might sell one to avoid all four of them starving. That's something we don't understand in first world countries, whether you're Europe or or United States or Australia, somewhere where there's sufficient income and sufficient support structures within the government to, to take care of people who are starving. We don't understand that. But in third world countries where there is no support structure, uh, no existence of a church with benevolence and that sort of thing, uh, people end up doing things that they might not otherwise do like selling a family member in order to take care of the others. So you asked about the jobs. We have found that if we can bring economic opportunity into a village, um, that people will choose an economic opportunity other than trafficking if they can earn a living selling, making and selling something that they could sell outside the village and therefore have income to, to provide for their family. So that's what we do. We make, we have, we don't make them. We don't own the shops. It's their businesses. We call them cottage businesses. They operate from within their village. They make the things they know how to make from the materials that they can readily put together, and they make some amazing things. And we sell those things through made27.com, and we sell them at our awareness events when we, when we have an e- event uh, to talk about human trafficking. But the income from those things comes back into the village to provide support for the family that makes it at a fair trade margin so that they have sustainable uh, income in life. Okay, is there any of those people, one of the stories that you could just share with us about what's happened? Yeah, I'm not going to share names right. because this this could be broadcast and I don't want to... Uh, um, jeopardize anybody's safety. But let me tell you about um, a man who makes brass jewelry. Um, 
this man was orphaned as a young child. His mother died when he was, I think, about four, and he was his father died when he was about eight. He went into an orphanage um, where he, the gospel was shared with him. He came to Christ. But in, also in that orphanage, he was taught how to melt metal and make bowls and utensils and that sort of thing. And he practiced the art of making jewelry. Now, in an impoverished country, you're not going to sell much jewelry. If people can't, can't buy food, can't pay for school, uh, they're not going to be buying trinket or uh, nice jewelry. They just don't have the money for that. So he could make jewelry, but then he couldn't sell jewelry. And we created uh, some things with him to... Uh, some opportunities for him to sell jewelry here in the U.S. And he is now uh, supporting himself and four other workers who are making jewelry, which we we and he export to the U.S. And he is now exporting to uh, Australia and Canada uh, and other markets in the world and making an income for himself four other families, and Hope is returning in that family, that household, and in that village. Okay, is there a way that if we're here in the United States and we're interested in looking at some of those products, is there a way to be able to do that, or do we have to go to Cambodia? Oh, absolutely not. One of the things that, that we are still working on is they're over there, and, and the disposable income to buy things like nice jewelry um, is over here. And so we import from Cambodia and from Thailand jewelry into a business called Made27.com. Made27 is a human trafficking awareness enterprise which brings goods into the U.S. that are made by or made for the benefit of the 27 million people who are today trapped in modern-day slavery. And so you can buy goods at made27.com, and uh, you'll be helping people rise from poverty with their own skills and the materials they can get in their own home area. Now, Pete, the other night when you were with us, you and Debbie were with us, you were talking about this isn't just a Cambodia issue. Uh, you were talking about the worldwide trafficking. Tell us what we can do in the United States as, as believers, as, as people, what we should be looking for. One of the perceptions that seems to be prevalent in American culture is that human trafficking is a third world or a foreign uh, atrocity. I hear from people all the time, so I sure am glad I don't live where that happens. I sure am glad that's not in my community. And I want to tell you that one of the most rapidly growing markets for human trafficking in the world today is the United States of America. Why, people say, how can that be? Well, human trafficking occurs where there is a fair amount of disposable income where traffickers can make a lot of money in a short period of time selling a number of girls and boys to people who are usually away from home 
and in a uh, unaccountable situation and they have a lot of money in their pocket and they do things that they probably wouldn't do at home but they'll do it when they're on uh, a trip like uh, the Super Bowl or a World Series or a big college football weekend or uh, uh, some of our travel destinations uh, New York City uh, Branson, Missouri uh, these are all communities where people travel from far away. They feel a little less accountable because there aren't as many people around that know them. And if they are among uh, other people who have a fair amount of disposable income and are so inclined, um, traffickers will make young children available to them and bring it to bring these kids to their hotel. Uh, in order to collect that fee, the kids don't aren't, aren't trafficking themselves. By the way, this is this is uh, modern day slavery. As you listen to this podcast, I just want to say this to you: as like, out of all the things that we get to do as Risen Fellowship, being uh, connected with Pete and Debbie Livingston and seeing the things that. Uh, they're doing and the impact that they're making on this world is just uh, overwhelming to us and not just in what they're doing but how they're even training us to be aware of our surroundings and see if there's something we can do and we very much are grateful that God led our paths together so that we could support you and and be a part of this ministry with you so I would just ask this if there's somebody listening today and it's like you know I'm touched by this and I want to help Pete and Debbie out how would they go Go about doing that um i'll be glad to answer that let me throw in one other thing in addition to the business side of what we do we provide education because people not only are deprived of an economic opportunity they become deprived of an educational opportunity so while i do the business activities uh starting these cottage businesses or helping them become successful debbie is training local village people to be teachers of their own children because they're often deprived of an education so when you ask how can people help um, understand that these people need the gospel to understand that that human life is valuable in the eyes of god and should be therefore valuable in our eyes they need economic opportunities and they need educational opportunities there is not a lack of motivation there's a lack of opportunity a lack of opportunity to hear the gospel a lack of opportunity to hear or experience economic opportunity and a lack of opportunity for education so that's why we go to cambodia to try to open those doors and we appreciate risen fellowship enormously uh, and we invite others if they're interested if if being involved with uh, helping people come to uh, uh, experience freedom we ask you to visit f- um, our website or our blog you can visit it at free 27 that's f-r-e-e 27.org and there's a donate button on there and there's also a blog sign up page on there and you can get the reports we tell our people who donate to our cause that these are not just our stories these are your stories too and share those stories tell people what you are doing to help end this atrocity not just in america not just in the philippines not just in thailand 
um, but in Cambodia and all other places around the world. America uh, has a major role as a as a nation with lots of, of of churches and lots of wealth to apply some of that to the work of God uh, for the benefit of His kingdom uh, wherever it is in the world. Yeah. You know, David Platt said this at a conference that I was with him at, and he said that a lot of times when we have people that are leaving our church, whether it's a short-term mission trip or whether it's a mid-term, you know, or a long-term deal, a lot of the people that are in the church immediately begin praying for those people. He said, unfortunately, if you listen to those prayers, they ask for God to give them safety in their journeys to let them go over and, and be of good health, whether it's for two weeks or two years or 20 years. And we seem to be consumed in our prayers of praying for their safety. He really challenged me with that because I've been on those short mission trips. I've been on uh, sending people out uh, from our church and everything. And But he challenged us, pray for the success of their ministry and their mission more than their safety. And so as we conclude this podcast with you, I want you to know that as I pray for you, I'm praying for your safety, but first and foremost, I'm praying for the success of your mission so that the kingdom of heaven is broadcast throughout this whole world as Christ commanded us to do. Absolutely, and thank you. I would not ask you to pray any differently than that. Um, That is wonderful, wonderful advice. 